You're listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. God commands us to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Learn more on this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. You are in the middle of our series entitled Enact. This is actually day five or the fifth installment of our series through the book of Acts. We're also looking at the history of the church. But before we... Uh, uh, move on with our series. You probably noticed that when you entered here, you noticed our ushers dressed up in white, not white robes, but in white FA uh, costumes. Can we just appreciate them? I felt like I was in uh, Philippine Airlines riding an airplane. All right. I guess that's the peg, okay? And so all across our different congregations, even in Festival Mall, uh, we are making a statement that we are called to the nations and that God wants all of us to be part of what God is doing in the, in the mission work that He's called us to do as a church and as a movement. How many of you know, are, uh, how many of you are aware that we are a missionary sending church or movement? Okay? Uh, if not, uh, we hope that this next two weeks will uh, give you an idea of who we are and what we do uh, as a church. Uh, just to give us a quick recap of the past four weeks. First week, we actually talked about the church. And I know that as a spiritual family, uh, we are called to a specific purpose. Uh, locally, we're known as Victory. Uh, here, Victory Alabang, of course, in Manila, it's called Victory Christian Fellowship legally. But we just make it short for Victory. But outside the Philippines, we're known as uh, Every Nation. And Every Nation exists basically uh, to establish Christ-centered Spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And so, if you ask what we're called to do, we're called to do two things. We're called to do church planting and we're called to do campus ministry. That's why the first part of our series, we talked about how God uh, helps us build uh, His church. Although God is the one who builds the church, He calls each and every one of us to make disciples. We're not embarrassed to always say that, repeat it, say it once more. You know, as they say, say it again for the second time once more, even if it's all redundant. That's really wrong, right? But what is worth repeating is worth communicating. And I believe that that is God's uh, agenda and God's purpose for us. He wants us all to share in the Great Commission. And so the week two, we talked about social responsibility that, you know, basically when you talk about being socially responsible, taking care of the poor, God did not really entrust it to the government. He really called us as a church and as a people to be able to help uh, other people who are in need. And how many of you know that that is one role of the church as well? Uh, as we speak, you know, one of our pastors in Metro Manila, he is our executive uh, director for our Metro Manila churches. His name is Pastor Ferdy Kabiling. He's also otherwise known as the running pastor. He actually started already his uh, 50 kilometers per day. Not 50 kilometers for the whole 50 days. 50 kilometers per day. So when he turned 50, that's the, you know, the, the, the name Run 50, uh, he's got a cause and advocacy. Basically, what he's doing is he's running for scholars and he's running for real life as well. And so if you would look at his website, uh, it says, Ferdy Kabiling, I run for those who can't. And of course, I don't dare run like him for 50 kilometers 
per day. Okay, so he started September 5. Basically, he's done with the Mindanao leg. So what he did was he started off by running from Sarangani after 50 days, or actually after 44 days, 44 running days, he will be ending running in Apari. Okay? So after his Mindanao leg, uh, he went through General Santos, Davao, Tagum City, Butuan, and Surigao. Now he's actually in the Visayan leg. Alright? Today he's actually preaching, or he preached this morning in Grace Bible Community Baptist Church in San Isidro, Samar. So he's, I think, in day 18. And I want us all to uh, stand and pray uh, for Pastor Ferdy because he's not doing this because he's got midlife crisis. But uh, really, he's doing this for an advocacy. Okay, Just kidding, okay? Um, he's doing this for a cause. He's doing this for advocacy. He's doing this for real life. Real life is actually our social responsibility arm. We help empower dreams. And for those young children who are not capable of uh, affording an education, we help also grant them scholarship. And so for every kilometer that Pastor Ferdy would run, it will actually help raise 1,000 pesos so he's running a total of 2,180 or almost 2,200 kilometers. And so it's about 2.2 million. And I believe that we can pray and stand with Pastor Ferdy. So far, he already finished about 900 kilometers. How many of you can do that? Just thinking about it, I get tired already. You know, he is our local Chuck Norris, okay? Uh, he, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He won't stop. So uh, that's a quick recap on our social responsibility side. Uh, two weeks ago, we started off also by talking about the campus. Maybe you've noticed that there were two campus missionaries who are here. Pastor, uh, Pastor Edre preached how to disciple or how to work with the next generation. And uh, John Biron last week talked about why the campus. Uh, for the next two weeks, today and starting uh, also ending next week, we're going to be talking about missions. And what God has for us, uh, in general, why missions? Why do we have to go out and make disciples? Why do we have to take seriously the call of God in Matthew chapter 28 when, when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations? Nations there being not just political nations, but ethnic groups. When you talk about nation there, it talks about ethnicity, or people group. So you may not actually leave the Philippines, but you will actually see a lot of different people groups. How many of you know that there are so many different people groups that are here in Manila, okay, that are different from us, maybe not Filipinos, because we are a multi-ethnic city or metropolis here in the Philippines. And so thus, the application of missions and discipleship really starts from here in our backyard. So We'll all be reading from the book of Acts chapter 10. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading Acts chapter 10, verse 34 to 43. If you have a regular Bible, so you may actually turn to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. That's in the New Testament. If you have a digital Bible, go and search it away. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good 
and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses. Everybody say, we are witnesses. Of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. Everybody say to testify. That he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Father, we thank you so much for this afternoon. We ask, Lord God, that you would anoint the preaching of your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you will give your church, your people, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here to counsel us and to guide us. And Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as the builder of this church. Once again, we give you back all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. The starting point of this basically is when the book of Acts uh, was, you know, start, starting to uh, establish a, a young church of believers after Jesus rose from the dead. And, you know, when he was about to go back to, to heaven, he basically gave them, you know, not just a great commission in Matthew chapter 28, but when he was about to leave, he told them not to go yet, but he promised something to them. And it was found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'd like to invite everyone to read this out loud all together. One, two, three. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Basically, the question for us today is, how was the first church birth? We will see a progression that in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, the church, the early church started when the Holy Spirit came. There was a Pentecost. And, you know, we, the early disciples and the, the apostles were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit was the gift of tongues. They spoke in different languages. And so that was the starting point. Okay? God enabled them to become witnesses. God empowered them to share their testimony. And how many of you are here and you can actually say that God has done something that is good in your life? Can you please raise your hand? How many of you think that that is, that is worthy of sharing to other people? Right? You know, we are witnesses. And I believe that as witnesses, a witness is someone who's seen, who's tasted, who's experienced, who's heard of something good news. And I believe that God is empowering us as witness to share what we have experienced to other people. And so the early Christians did not really get that because they were Jews. They thought that salvation was limited to them. They thought that the church is just designed for the Jews to just sing nice songs and just be contained in that little upper room and for them to actually just enjoy each other's company and fellowship and just enjoy their own small groups. But how many of you know that God has something, uh, you know, a plan and a purpose that is bigger than what they originally thought it was? 
Because instead of them just thinking in their four corners of that upper room, God really designed the church to go out. Basically, they have to go out. They have to go out into all the world. They have to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And here we see that the first thing that God said, and you will be my witness, that's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But since the church failed to see that, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the, the reverse of Acts 1, 8, the Acts chapter 8, verse 1, check your Bible there, persecution happened in the church. And when persecution hit, guess what happened? They were all scattered in the different areas of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. You know, I realize that if we don't obey, God will make us obey. You know, there's a song that goes back in the 80s, God will make a way when there is no way. You know, that's either good or bad for us, right? So how many of you would rather obey God than be kicked out by God? And that's exactly what happened to the church. The church grew not because they were willing, but because they were forced to go out because of the persecution of the church. And so we see that in Acts chapter 8, verse 9, the very first apostle that went out really was Philip. You know, incidentally, we're named Philippines after King Philip of Spain. And I believe after this Philip of the Bible, because I believe there is something special about our nation because we are called to send missionaries outside the Philippines. Amen. Amen. That is our destiny. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. That is who we are. If you look at the face of a Filipino, it is a missionary face. Turn to the person beside you and look at that face and admire that face, okay? That face in, is a non-intimidating face. I mean, you can go in and out of a nation and no one can be intimidated by you. You can bring the gospel with you and share that. That's why, guess what? Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Because of not because of our, you know, severe persecution here, but because maybe of economic persecution, 10% of our population is actually outside the Philippines right now. 100 million Filipinos population, about 10 million are outside there working abroad. As what? As professional workers, a.k.a. maybe missionaries of God out there. Because that is, our part, that is part of our design and our redemptive gift, I believe, as a nation. In chapter 10 of Acts chapter 10, you know, uh, the, the, the gospel further went out. And I'm so grateful, you know, as a, as, a, as, a Philipp- as, a, as a nation that we've heard the gospel. You know, how many of you know that none of us here are, are Jews? How many of you, is there any Jew here in the house? If you're not a Jew, what are we? We're Gentiles. How many of you are Gentiles? Please raise your hand. All right. How many of you are thankful that the gospel reached the Philippine shores? Right? You know, it, did have that, it didn't just stay in Jerusalem. After 2,000 years, it went westward. It went around. And guess what? It will go back to Israel where it came from. Amen. We're going to be sending out a mission, uh, you know, missionary. Actually, we already have missions, missionaries there, but we're, we're strengthening the ropes. But, you know, if you look at our history as a nation, you know, it started off in 1521 when the Spaniards came. Of course, they, they brought the cross. When Magellan brought the cross here, that is the early part of our, you know, um, Christianity, which is Catholicism. But evangelical Christianity came in 1898 when the Americans came here and brought the Bible to us. 
Of course, we all know that's part of history that that was, yeah, that's both good and bad. We had the Bible in our hands and we have the gospel, the real gospel. But at the same time, there was conflict between the Americans and the Filipinos. Check your history, right? General Luna, Articulo Uno, right? Okay, and so we now move to chapter 10, wherein this was the first missionary endeavor beyond Judea and Samaria. And the story goes when Peter actually had a vision. Actually, this is the story of Cornelius and Peter. You know, we don't really have time to go through all the verses of Acts chapter 10, but if I may just summarize the story of this of this chapter. This is the longest narrative in the book of Acts. So it's a story of Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion. And, you know, here is the map of Jerusalem. First, Peter had to go from Jerusalem to Lida to pray for a person who's bedridden for about eight years. His name was Aeneas. Okay, you will find that in Acts chapter 9. After that, he went to Joppa to pray for someone who was dead. And he was actually able to raise this person from the dead. And her name was Tabitha. Okay, so he spoke. Tabitha, get up. So he, you know, she got up. And the, the miracle of, 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 uh, you know, of Jesus spread throughout that, that town. And you know, he stayed in Joppa. Peter stayed in Joppa for a few days. Okay, until the vision came to Cornelius. It was the Lord who sent an angel to speak to Cornelius. And basically, Cornelius was a devout, God-fearing, I cannot say believer because he's not a Christian, but he's a God-fearing man. Okay, And so we will find out that Peter had to travel about 50 kilometers from Joppa to Caesarea just so that he could find Cornelius. All right, And so the vision of Cornelius came. So this is, you know, of course... This is just cartoons. But who was Cornelius? In Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 5, Cornelius lived in Caesarea. We saw that. Second, he was a centurion from the Italian regiment. A centurion is a soldier who leads about 100 soldiers. He is the commander over 100. That's why it's called centurion. Century, 100. Ah, okay. Okay, so he belonged to the Italian regiment or Italian cohort. A cohort consists of six centurions, so about 600 men under their regiment. And it depends on the distance of the place. If it's a place farther away from Jerusalem, they would actually send for reinforcement. So sometimes a cohort or a regiment would consist about 1,000 soldiers. A legion is 10 cohorts. Remember the time when Jesus uh, you know, uh, drove a spirit and he asked a spirit, what is your name? And the guy said, I am Legion. So you can imagine how many demons was in that man, about 10,000 demons. How many of you can remember the demons that came out of you when you got saved? No, no, just kidding, okay? You know, but this particular guy, when, when, when Legion was there, you know, there's a lot of demons there. Okay, so... So anyway, that's beside the point. So uh, this Cornelius was a devout and God-fearing man. Devout and God-fearing, yet he was not a Christian. Yet he was not a believer. He gave generously to those who are in need. He prayed to God regularly. In fact, uh, in this uh, first few verses, it says that he was about to go and pray at the ninth hour when the angel appeared to him. That was about 3 o'clock p.m. our time. Okay, so he's about to pray, and the angel came to him, and basically, 
what the angel said was, I want you to send people to go to Joppa and look for Simon called Peter and bring him here because he has a message for you. Now, if you look at the credentials of Cornelius, he's God-fearing, he's generous, he prayed to God regularly. I mean, what does he lack? In fact, his prayer and his gifts, the Bible says, became a memorial before the Lord. He was respected by all the Jewish people. Yet one thing is lacking. Everybody say one thing. He's not yet saved. He's not a Christian. How many of you know that we can actually be so good and yet miss the mark? Because it's not about the good works. Amen. It's about the grace of Jesus Christ. And unless Jesus is preached to him, he won't go to heaven. Are we getting the point? Okay? So Peter had to go there and actually preach the gospel, and that is the first mission work. That's the reason why we're passionate about sending people outside so that we can preach the gospel, because I believe there are people like Cornelius in other nations, seemingly devout, they're prayerful, they're generous, doing something about their nation, but yet they haven't heard the name Jesus. And guess what happens? If, if we don't have that, then we're not saved. There's only one name by which men are called to be saved, and his name is Jesus. We got to preach Jesus. We got we to gotta hear the gospel. And so that's exactly what was needed. Right after Cornelius sent three men, okay? He sent two servants and one soldier. So he sent quando, 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 whatever, okay? So he sent them, okay, go and get Peter. And Peter on... You know, while these men were going to Peter, Peter was actually waiting for lunch. He went up in the housetop, the Bible says. And while he was waiting, he was praying, he fell into a trance. How many of you know that sometimes when you're hungry, you can actually fall into a trance? Okay, that's exactly what happened to Peter. So when he was falling into a trance, God appeared or God gave him a vision of a sheet Heaven's opening and a sheet coming out from heaven is actually like him looking at an IMAX theater, looking at all the different kinds of animals and reptiles and fish, both clean and unclean. And the voice came from heaven and it says to Peter, Go, Peter, get up, kill and eat. Three times this happened. And Peter was baffled because he was a Jew. He said, how can a Jew eat something like pig and pork? And yet, Because the pork is considered unclean by the Jews, right? But yet the voice told Peter, do not consider something that is cleansed by the Lord as unclean. Because he already made them clean. How many of you can say, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord, for the pork. It's already been made clean. But anyway, so... When he finally got that vision, the three men arrived uh, at his doorstep and basically he was ready. He finally understood, okay, I got it. The gospel is not just for the Jews. The gospel is also for the Gentiles. So off he went with the three men and he went to Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting together with his family and the entire household gets saved. That's basically the story. And so, what can we learn from this story? I believe that there are probably some barriers that we need to overcome in order for us to be able to preach the gospel or spread the gospel. I wanted just to 
look at three basic barriers we need to overcome. Okay, breaking the barriers. Challenges to be broken. Okay, number one is we need to break the barrier of wrong belief. Okay, or maybe break wrong mindsets. Peter initially thought that salvation was only for the Jews. In verse 34, it says, So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. God shows no favoritism. How many of you know that salvation actually is meant for both the Jews and for the Gentiles? He now realizes, okay, salvation is not just meant for the Jews, but it's now open for the Gentile people to hear the good news that Jesus Christ came to die also for their sins. And so he said, But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Here we see that Cornelius, though he was almost there, he was not yet there. It needed someone like Peter to preach the gospel so that he can actually turn his heart around and put his faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I mean, what about us? What's our application here? Do you know someone maybe around you, in your office, in your school, in your family that needs to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there anyone here? Please raise your hand. Do you know someone that needs to hear the good news and they need to get saved? Great. That's the starting point. Remember, the gospel goes from Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So that's the starting point. But it's not limited there, okay? So, of course, Peter visits Cornelius. And these are some of the wrong minds. is very quickly. Number one, many times we think that we just need to proclaim the gospel to Filipinos alone. You know, since we lived in the Philippines and we're called Filipinos, let's just preach to Filipinos. You know, why does victory have to go out? And why do we have to spend this money to send out missions uh, teams outside the Philippines in order to preach the gospel? Last month, we just sent eight young people to Melbourne to, to go and preach the gospel there to help our Melbourne church. Right now, as I speak, we've actually just sent out a 10-day mission trip to Taiwan. Uh, this team is being led by Merle Jose, a group of young uh, professionals as well. They're now engaging uh, National Taiwan University for the gospel. So we're not just looking at Filipinos to preach the gospel to. We're looking at every nation, any race. Any ethnicity, it's not just limited to Filipinos. Another wrong mindset is there are still a lot of unbelievers in the Philippines, so why do we go to missions, right? Eh, dito pa nga lang, ang dami ng unsaved eh. You know, here alone in the Philippines, there's a lot of work. Yes, there's a lot of work. That's why we need to do our work in sharing the gospel. But it doesn't have to stop here. You know, I'm so glad that 31 years ago, um, the Americans, the American missionary who came to the Philippines to, you know, led by Pastor Rice and Pastor Steve, came here basically to start our church and, you know, uh, you know begin this movement. Of course, when you talk about our church in, uh, in Victory, we are not the church. We're just one local church. We're a part of the universal church. But that happened 31 years ago when a group of missionaries came here and started this. And they thought, you know, if their mindset is just limited to, let's just stay in Mississippi, and preach to America. Just forget about the Philippines. This church would probably not have been founded. But because 31 years ago, 65 missionaries came here and started the work, we are where we are right now, and we are grateful for the plan of God. 
That's why I believe that God is calling us as a church to be a blessing out there to the nations of the world. Amen. I believe God is calling us. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, God is calling you. Get ready to go. Okay? One of the limitations that we have, maybe sometimes you were thinking, you know, we have so much poverty in the Philippines. Some nations are actually more affluent than the Filipinos. But guess what? From day one, we have never depended on the American missionaries for support. Back in 1984, we've never asked support from America. Actually, today, as we, you know, as we do this series, the Philippine churches is probably one of the highest giving churches in terms of percentages in our movement that is based in Nashville compared to the other nations of the world. How many of you know that, that is worth uh, thanking God for? Amen. That is because we believe that we ought to be a generous church. We've never depended for dole out. You know, back in the day, back in 1984 and back in 1986 when I got saved, our offerings then were very heavy because it's full of coins. Literally heavy. But from day one, Pastor Steve, I remember this, and he said this, from day one, we will start supporting missions. It doesn't matter if we have money or not. We're going to believe God for the finances so we can actually send missionaries abroad from day one. We believed in sending out missionaries abroad. And I see Conrad and Lolly, they have been here from the very beginning, 1984. Some of the fathers of the faith. We're not supposed to be limited by our resource because God is our resource. Amen. First is we need to break mindset. Second, we need to break boundaries. Verse 36, it says, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. So basically, as I said earlier, we got to move on forward. We got to you know, basically break our comfort zone and move from Jerusalem. This is talking about our locality. Judea talking about regional, Samaria talking about neighboring countries, and the rest of or the end of the earth, which is basically everywhere. That's why I, I remember when uh, you know, our pastors were telling us, you know, as, as young as we were then, students, they would always say, you know, what you need here in our church is two things. You need a Bible and a passport. A Bible and a passport. Everybody say, a Bible and a passport. Okay, we understand the Bible part, but by way, a passport. And they would say, you know, you need a Bible so that you will know what to obey. Because God will speak to you through the Bible. And the passport will actually help you to obey Him because God tells us to go and make disciples to all nations. And how will you go to other nations if you do not have a passport? Now, how many of you have passports? Please raise up again. Yes. If you don't have a passport, let me encourage you. There is a DFA office that is so near Alabang. It's right there in ATC, fourth floor of Metro Department Store. You can go there and apply for a passport. And I believe that God will challenge us to maybe one day, everybody say one day, one day joins an, uh, you know, an outreach or a 10-day mission trip, or maybe a few of us are called to become long-term missionaries here from, from Alabang. Why not? Breaking barriers. Is my last point. Verse 42, it says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. God is a judge. And if people will not hear the good news, 
they will be judged to eternal damnation. In verse 43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, he is also a savior. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You know, definitely we would like to have as many people as we can actually bring to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether here in the Philippines and outside the Philippines. And what are some of the common mission barriers? Number one, you have the religious barriers. There are some nations on this planet that are not just close to the gospel, but they're actually hostile or they have violent reactions to the gospel. You know, some of these are like the Muslim nations. Second is cultural barrier. We need to learn and adapt to their culture to be relevant. We cannot force our culture. You know, you got to be like the Filipino. You know, we're not preaching our culture there. When you become a missionary, you adapt to the culture. You become like them. Third is language. The first two years normally that a missionary would do when he steps in the mission field is just to learn language. You know, this is true for our people in Pakistan, Cambodia, Vietnam. You know, uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Jonas Bernales, who became a 10-year uh, missionary in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. First two years was just to study language. And then after that, he started mastering the use of the language so that he can preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 says, To the weak I became weak, that I may win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. You know, we've received so many blessings from the Lord. And I believe that God is expecting us to share those blessings as well. What would you do if one particular Sunday I announce in church, today is a special Sunday and I have food that is for free. For the congregation. And then I call all the ushers. Bring the food here. And so I tell them, I want you to serve the first row, the food. So they give them all the pizza, all the chicken, all the crispy pata, all the dessert. All right, they're all stuffed. Oh, okay, okay. next batch of food. Please bring them in. Okay, Serve the first row again. Okay, And then we serve the first row again, this time with pancit, with a ginatan, with suman, with kalamay, with pichi-pichi. All right, third batch of food. Come inside. Okay, This time it's Italian food. Okay, Serve the first row. Okay, The first row again gets their food. Okay? Spaghetti, bologna, lasagna, you know, everything there. If you were seated in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh row, what would you say to the first row? What about us? It's unfair, right? You know, many times we hear the gospel, we come to church week in and week out. We actually hear so much. And we're blessed with the gospel. We're blessed with the message of the Lord. We're blessed with worship. We're blessed with everything because Jesus Christ blessed us already. But yet there are nations out there who has not even heard of the name Jesus. Some of them heard the word Coca-Cola first than the name of Jesus. I believe we have a message to preach. And we have a responsibility to give to them. Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And all the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit 
was poured out even on the Gentiles. This is my main point before I close. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is for every people, every tribe, and every nation. That's the main point. We should not just have it contained here in the Philippines, not just contained here in our church, but I believe God wants to use us, even in this local congregation, to be able to touch peoples from the other nations of the world. Pastor June Escosar used this illustration. If the world was a village of 100 people, this would be its breakdown. One would be coming from Oceania, and that's from Australia and New Zealand and those group of islands down there. Five will be coming from North America. Nine will be coming from Latin America. Twelve will be coming from Europe. Thirteen will be coming from Africa. And 60% will be coming from Asia. How many of you are Asians here? Okay. We are in Asia. The Philippines is in Asia. And I believe that God has called us to reach to many Asian nations. And so part of our, I believe, part of our stewardship as a church is to be able to plant different churches in Asia. So here's the report. A snapshot of where Asia is right now. If there are about 60 plus nations in Asia, this is where we are right now. We have 44 churches in 44 nations. Okay? Consider Asia, we just annexed Oceania to Asia, okay? But technically it's not. So we have Central Asia, we have Middle East, and we have these are the other Asian uh, nations where we have uh, churches that we've planted. For the remaining 20 plus churches, this is the plan. We have our 2020 initiative. And the plan is to be able to plant three churches per year in the next five years. So we started in 2013, wherein we planted Timor Leste. It's an ongoing church, it's already been planted. Pakistan, it's there already, it's existing. Sri Lanka, it's existing. 2014, we started Egypt, we started Kazakhstan, we started Tibet, it's already existing. 2015, we're already starting Oman, we're about to send a missionary to Papua New Guinea, we're starting in Turkmenistan, and we already started in Fiji, so this is done already. Next year, we're starting three more, Jordan, Lebanon, Madagascar, 2017, Iraq, Syria, Uzbekistan, 2018, Cyprus, Maldives, Yemen, 2019, Bhutan, Russia, and Tajikistan. And 2020, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. Not from the U.S., but from Russia. With that being done, we practically covered the entire Asian region by the year 2020, and we've planted churches. How many of you know that God is an amazing God? Amen. <laughs> Doable, yes. Easy, maybe not. That's why we need your prayers. As a local church, next year, here in Alabang, we're sending five missions team to five nations, namely Brunei, in March 2016, Israel in 2016, somewhere there, I think November, Kazakhstan, okay, uh, towards the middle of 2016, China, we're sending an, another 10 days missions team in China, May 2016, and Mongolia in August 2016. Maybe some of you will be called to go for 10 days in some of these nations. Amen. Maybe some of you are not called to go, but maybe all of us are called to pray. Amen. 
And many of us will be called to support and hold the ropes for our missionaries there. First Samuel chapter 30. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. All will share alike in the reward for the gospel because we are all a part of this. Amen. And David made this a statute, an ordinance for Israel from that day to this. Let's all lift up our hands for the Lord this afternoon. Father, we are so grateful for your grace upon our lives. In fact, why don't you put your hands down first for a while, maybe just a minute. Put your hands down. Close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to just pray this quick prayer. If you're here this afternoon, and if you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe for the first time you've heard about this gospel, it's a good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived, and He died the death we should have died. He took our place. Three days later, He rose from the dead, proving He is the Son of God. And He's offering now the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins to those who repent and those who would believe in His name. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to, I want to encourage you to lift up your hand right now as I, as I pray for you quickly. Anyone at all? Just lift it up. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift it up. Yes, sir. I see those hands. God bless you. Who else? A couple more seconds. Thank you, Lord. If you're lifting up your hand, can you pray this out loud as a declaration of your need for God? In fact, I want to invite everyone to pray this prayer out loud. Let's say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner needing a Savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me to pay the penalty for my sins. I confess that Jesus is my Lord and believe in my heart that He is saved. Thank you, Lord, for adopting me into your kingdom and your family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.